Codge, hello. Morning, Jared. And yes, I uh, look. What a way to start off the weekend! Uh, a massive crowd at the MCG against two rivals with such a big history. Um, but Carlton supporters, you sit back and go. I think they've taken a big breath and go, maybe we are as good as what we thought at the start of the year because I was sitting back going, what have they done the last five weeks? Yes, they've been the informed team, but they've played West Coast, they've played Hawthorne, they've played Gold Coast. Uh, But last night was their challenge against a Collingwood team who are probably at full strength and they outplayed them. Their work around the stoppage, their contested possession, their willingness to put pressure onto a team that just loves to run and carry. I sit back and go... Well, maybe, maybe Carlton, if they, when, if they play finals this year, which if they keep playing the football they did, maybe we have to sit back and take notice of the big blue baggers because they could be back. They've now beaten the top two teams in the competition in three weeks in their six-game run. And, and we spoke to Vossi before the game, and he, he, it was simple. He wasn't asking for too much. He just wanted to pressure, focus on winning the contested ball, and that's when he knows that his team will play the best football they can. And Tell you what, they did that in pretty good style last night. We're together in Ballarat. You've survived the week pretty well. I have. I reckon you're sitting here thinking I'm, I've turned a little bit soft because I'm looking at here now. It's a beautiful day. The sun's out. I can tell you, Jared, it hasn't been like that all week. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a beautiful day down here, which we're in for a nice game of football, hopefully. But no, it's, it's good to get back down to my local area where I grew up. I do rather like you've been screenshotting the weather on each day. I presume <laughs> that's been going back to the Sunshine State. Uh, in our Melbourne studio, Dermot Burton. Dem, welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. Hodgie, come on, mate. 140 years ago, if you were born and up there in Ballarat, you'd be out digging holes for gold by now. Fair thinking, mate. It's not that bad out up there. Derm, I noticed that you didn't jump on your Harley and make it all the way down to Ballarat. You're sitting in a 24 degrees <laughs> office back in Melbourne. So I'm terrified I'll, I'll of the cold. I'll pipe down if I was you, mate. I've got Irish blood in me and I'm still terrified of the cold. Hey, how good was last night? Because at, at this stage of the season, we want genuine challenges, challengers emerging. And Carlton put a bona fide stamp on their capabilities last night. Their lows this season have been pretty ordinary. Um, and we thought, gee, we, we, it's a false dawn what they promised at the start of this year. But now they've, they've verified how good they can be. So we get another challenger that, that might be able to and capable of really shaping the... The, the contest, the race by the end. And Collingwood, they get a, a tweak. They get a sharpen up as well. So a little bit of hubris in Collingwood last night as well. And, and the, other, the, the last thing I'll say, and we'll flesh it out in a second, there is not many times, it probably runs at about 19 to 1 in terms of wins, that you take 18 marks inside your forward line, inside your forward 50, and you don't win the game. And that was Collingwood. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there, Dermot. We'll do that in a moment. So I think as a collective, we wanted to sort of feel Sam suffering during those hard weeks. It was sort of our window in, wasn't it? So it's only fair that we share in the basking. Sam Edmund, hello. How good is life, Jared? The weather is warm. I got every green light on the way here. I was even due the free coffee on the loyalty card at the cafe, and I'm sitting here next to my mate Dermot, who, by the way, is about to bring a fierce magnifying glass to this game. So 
I don't know. My my mum used to watch that show on TV Extreme Makeover. Well, this is Footy's version of it. I, I'm not I'm not sure how they've done it mentally, strategically, but they've somehow managed to turn a monstrous corner. So uh, Port Adelaide a couple of weeks ago, Collingwood last night, and uh, they got their injury concerns. We'll get to in a moment, but they might just be back. What what I've just, what I've seen with Sammy this year is what <laughs> has been a Carlton supporter for the last twenty five years. Football is a roller coaster, and I've seen a person as low as I've ever seen someone five weeks ago, six weeks ago, and now look at him. He's up and about. He's smiling. Carlton, they're ready for it. So we've got our two hours with Sam, then Andy Mars on his way to join us in the oh, box, so no. we're going to get the full <laughs> dose of it. Brian Cook last night described the phenomenon, it's party time when we win, and it's a family loss when we lose. <laughs> and just try to modify that along the way. That's but we good. bask with Carlton. Before we bask, I just, so hubris, Dermot. What did you see that represented hubris in the Collingwood game? Uh, well, several aspects of it. Collingwood overrate their ability to kick the ball from the back line. Darcy Moore, who's a wonderful player, I'm, I'm, I'm drilling into certain areas, which they'll just have a mention to him. Um, also, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? <laughs> He's got number four, left footer, mentally. Maynard. Maynard. He, he overrates his kicking. They're both very good kicks, but trying to bite off kicks, which are a one in a thousand, is, is not is not the way to go about it. Safe kicks when they are required. To overrate your talent and and think you've got a laser leg when you don't, uh, that's hubris. When you actually say, I can take this kick on into the middle. When the game's still alive, still well and truly alive, um, to hubris. When you have situations where the game requires, and there's so much, 99% of our game is, is reliant on skill, ability to deliver and execute in football. But sometimes you just have to supply some grunt. And there were, it became, on several occasions for the Magpies last night, for the first time, conditional. There were a couple of lads who actually said, you know what, not this one. I'll live to fight in the next contest, but not this one. Um, there was a kick in from Darcy Moore, which went to centre-half back, and it was to Jack Crisp. Now, he's as brave as they come, but there's bravery on the deck and there's bravery in the air. He chose to go to ground without contact rather than make that contest. The ball got turned around, it got kicked to Jack Martin, and he kicked a goal. Now, that is, he got like a muscular inhibition. No contact, went to ground. As I say, he's as brave as they can be, but not in the air. There's two different types of bravery in that area. Um, as good as he is, young Dacos, at the 15-15 remaining in the final quarter, he is fantastic. So I'm not shooting him because sometimes a player like that has to live to fight the next contest. But he saw the ball between him and Cripps, and he stopped. He made up his mind, I'm not going for this one. He can have it and we will fight the fight in the next second after Cripps bossed him. And he Cripps put a hand in his chest, recoiled out the other way, handballed into the centre and the ball went deep into the forward line for a score. That's choosing your moment. Now, I want young Dacos to keep doing what he's doing. He's awesome. But sometimes your team has to see you fight the fight to keep the ball where it is right then and there. And that at 15-15, remaining on the clock in the last quarter, that was a time. And, and so they, 
as I said, that was conditional. There's a couple of moments there that I thought they played conditionally, and McRae will never say, oh, yeah, that was conditional, but you can understand the size, the shape, the likes of what I'm talking about, but that then bleeds into the result. We're all diving for KO right now. Um, <laughs> so how useful is that to get at this stage of the season when the, the plaudits have been rave for Collingwood for so long? Yeah. Oh, you look at Craig McRae after the game, and he said, we're just here to try and improve as a football club. So he's pulled it back. He's made it nice and basic, and Derm's right. I reckon he's going to sit back, and when you're going through a season playing as convincing as what they are, getting pats on the back from everywhere – this isn't a bad thing, especially against a big rival. Yes, they would have wanted to beat Carlton and, and try and push him out of the finals again. But you sit back and go through, and it's not a bad time because they've now got a month of football leading into finals where they need to fine-tune this. And, Derm, that, that will be showed. I, I feel that at Collingwood, they're, a kind of, they're an honest team that they'll put up any contest that they didn't think was Collingwood standards and go through and say, if we're going to win a premiership, if we're going to play big finals this year, we need to commit to this. Mm. And whether it's the skill execution, whether it's fighting if you're out of position, whether it's taking on a bigger opponent, as you mentioned a few times, that will be shown at the Collingwood Review and saying, if we're going to be a premiership side in two months' time, we need to pick up. And especially when, the, when it's hot. Like, Carlton came out ready to play. Collingwood were probably thinking, well, if it's a bit in, Carlton have been an inconsistent side this season, maybe they'll pick and choose. Carlton didn't pick and choose. They chose just to fight the whole time. Mm. And Collingwood did get put on the back foot a number of times. So if I was a Collingwood supporter, uh, I wouldn't be too stressed about it. I'd be saying, well, there's an improvement area for us. We've had a pretty consistent year so far. But this is some, a, little, a few little areas that we can work on to have a big finals campaign. What's changed at Carlton besides sort of everything? <laughs> uh, belief. Uh, first of all, their supporters are up and about. Um, but you look back and it, it seems that they're a team that are on the same page. Early in the year, there was a lot of doubt. There was, are we going fast? Are we going slow? Do we just bomb it into Kerno? It felt last night, round one when they drew with Richmond to when they played Geelong, there was a different game style. They rushed the ball in round one. They came up with a very calculated, find the spare, make Geelong defend. That's what it looked like they did last night. They, were, they know that if they kick it long, Colin would have such a good zone behind the ball. They work for one another. They work really hard back. They turn the ball over and then they transition fast off the half-back line. Carlton, by no means, they did not want that situation. They didn't want to bomb it. If they had to, that was the last, that was the last thing they were going, going to bomb it long. So they were trying to find that little spare kick just to make sure Collingwood were disciplined with their defence. And I felt that everyone was on the same page. Once you got all your players on the same page, you know what each other are doing. That's the performance you get. And I feel that's, that's where they've changed. Over the last month, they've built confidence. They're all on the same page and they're playing a game, a game style that everyone understands and is working together. And coming from the coaches, it feels that the coaches are just making it simple for them. Having clarity with the players, that, that's the biggest thing. I agree with you. There comes a stage in football, Carlton, where they were at where they think this is desperately hard, this is so hard, how do we cover all these options when the opposition has the ball? We are getting torched here, we are getting run off our legs trying to defend. Uh, and then a switch happens, something happens in your game style and you actually find you're working harder, but you're working enjoyably harder 
and that is running forward. And when you are attacking, you're, you're actually probably, your GPS is probably 25% higher than it was when you were exhausted and eternally defending. And that's it, that, as Luke says, that's a belief. That's a confidence in working harder to actually get the result. And you come off the ground and you are completely and utterly spent, but it was enjoyable. And to me, Carlton is in that sweet spot at the moment. They are enjoying the hard work. Look, Hodgie, I don't know about you, but one thing I thought was insanely good by Carlton last night was they blocked Collingwood's outlet target kicks. Mm -hmm. And it choked Collingwood into going down the line one-on-one. And and Carlton just brought heat to the stoppage. Wherever that ball went, and it was going to be a, a, a hand-to-hand battle at the at the ground level, they brought absolute heat to it. I thought it was fantastically uh, well done and well executed. I think the the main thing when you look at the the blueprint of Carlton's game style, it's winning the contested possession, winning the clearances, get it played in their half. And then they can defend them. And I think that was their biggest focus of making sure that when they had the ball in their fourth half, they set up behind the ball. And you mentioned before about Maynard missed a few kicks. Moore probably went for a few that he, he probably shouldn't have. But I think we've got to credit Carlton with their mm-hmm. attention to detail on yeah. the defensive side of it. As soon as they won the ball and they got into their forward line, they squeezed up. They made sure all exits were covered. They made it, If there was any short little kick for Collingwood, it was going to be... Just the kick had to be perfect. Otherwise, there was a Carlton player in there putting a spoil in, getting a hand in. And if they did, as soon as Colin would pick the ball up where they normally link up with those running and handball and they run in numbers, Carlton, the amount of times that Carlton turned the ball over because they put a block on, they squeezed and they put frontal pressure on. And at times, Colin would panic because of the pressure and, and the defensive mindset that Carlton had. This is where I think Carlton small forwards, Jared, in particular, who have been, you know, criticised heavily over the journey, deserve a lot of praise. Now, no Harry Mackay has been seen unfairly as the trigger to, to, I guess, Carlton's efficiency inside 50, but for me, the mid and small forwards around them. So Jack Martin's made a massive difference. Owies, Motlop, Fogarty last night, they brought real front-on pressure, and a lot of it would have gone unrewarded, but it's a, a ripple effect from pressure down the line, a dump kick down the line that, as Derm says, you know, in, in, for large portions of this year and the year prior, they were running out with chains and they just weren't able to do it last night. Think, one of the other things about Carlton that's noticeable in recent weeks, players who have a natural talent have, have been allowed to um, express that talent. Be what you are. So I, I've loved seeing little Sardi grab mm. the ball and just explode. I mean, in in the early weeks, it was all you could see in his mindset as a player. It was, I'm a defender, defend hard. And that every defender should, but it was more about locking away his opponent. Now, he's going, I've got a chance, I'm off. Be what you are bred and born to be. And that's, I mean, that was the great art of Dimmer at Richmond. He got a game style that suited what those Richmond players were in their, being in their element. And he coached around that and put that game style into practice. And Carlton seemed to be doing that. I'm not saying they're as good as the Richmond uh, um, dynasty that has just passed us. But they, are ju- they have players who are doing what they are born to be. And, and Sard's the epitome of it. If you look at Carlton, and I think we've been a little bit... Harsh. Martin's spent a lot of time since he's been there. He came across on, on big money and we mm. sat back and gone, well, that was a waste. He was the most important forward for Carlton in the first half. He was lively. He was setting up contest. He was putting pressure on. I think 
a lot of Carlton supporters are starting to turn their mindset and think, oh, hang on, this bloke is as lively as long as he can stay on the track. But six goals between Motlop, Owies, Martin, they were lively. But Owies was another one who their pressure, he was into the face. When he set up that first goal for Motlop, he went and gave it yep. to the Collingwood supporters. And then he went and gave it to, uh, it might have been Jeremy Howe after he kicked his goal. They just got a lot of belief and they, they feed off each other excitement, those three smalls. Yep. Yeah, the, the, only thing, the only thing about, and you love Jack Martin, I know that, Sammy. Yep. But I think he makes I, a difference. I, he does, but in a small way, but... I'm still of the opinion that don't pay eight hundred thousand to a half forward flanker who doesn't go into the middle. Right, okay. Well yeah, that's a that's a different that's a different conversation. But so, but that was where you were coming from originally. Hodgie, you'd have to Hodgie, you'd have to be a Nick Newman fan. I because I am I think the way Nick Newman plays the game and he doesn't get enough credit, I don't think. But geez, he's hard, he reads it well, he always uses it well. Real underrated player, I reckon, in that back half for Carlton. Yeah, well, I think he's he's someone who They've got the flair with a with a sard and the likes the run and create and carry, uh, and you always need those stable blokes. The blokes who he, he almost he's probably not at the stage of a, of a Maynard. Maynard's been exceptional the last eighteen months, but that's what he reminds me of for for Carlton, where he'll put his body on the line, he'll have a crack. If you need him to try and do a shutdown uh, defensive role, he's happy to do that. It was, Honest. It was so beautifully poised at three quarter time, and everyone in the ground, I think, felt the same way. It was yeah. 19 points. It had been 24 points in that fateful round 23 game. The crowd was sort of all amped up for for it. Carlton had to score early, and they did. There are four big contests in this last quarter: all Moore and Kerno, and they all result in free kicks. The first Moore gets, and he gets a clearing kick, and the next three Kerno gets, and they're all goals. So Dermot, take us to take us to these moments and what we see. If you are to deliberate on the rules perfectly, I reckon they are all there. But this is coming from a forward, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the backman got the first one. Yeah. So there were five goals kicked from free kicks last night, and there were two extra goals kicked from fifty meter. And some of them were, you know, 25 metres out, a little bit of an argue, to march to the line. That's probably going through anyway. It's a lot. But if they're there, I reckon pay them. It, there is accidental and incidental contact in marking contests where a player can push into the other and it, it is a lotto, depending on which way the umpire sees it, which angle the umpire sees it. Um, Sam and I... We tend to agree. I think they were there. It's just unusual to see that. The one that I am still bewildered on is is how Mason Cox got a free kick against him for around the neck when when Charlie burrowed in under his armpit at a boundary line contest, got the free kick. He actually pushed him away from the drop of the ball. The ball hit the ground back behind him where he was. How that can ever be anything other than shepherding is beyond me. When you willfully burrow under the armpit, Hodgie, I can see you flicking your finger up there saying, oh. I want in, I want in, I want in. Um, yeah, so it, it's it, – they were they were lightish free kicks, Jared, but technically they were there. Put it this way, if I was playing in a practice match and my coach was umpiring, I would not expect to get one of those. I think with the Mason Cox one, a lot of it is where the umpire is positioned and from where the umpire was, he was behind – Cox, so all he would have seen from his position would have been the arm over Kerno's shoulder. I They've think got the four one, now, Hodgie. Fix they it. do. But, that, I know, but but he made the call, and his position, what he saw was his arm over Kerno's yeah, shoulder. He got it Kerno's desperately shoulder. wrong, and it cost him a goal. Well, 
technically, as you said before, it was a free kick, Derm. But <laughs> no, I don't reckon that one was technically a free kick. Yeah, well, that's the only one that wasn't I, technically a free kick. That should, if anyway, that should be a free kick to Mason Cox. Jared, should I keep baiting him or should I leave? Him? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think with the other ones, you, you look through, and I, I agree that if you looked at those four contests. Yes, you could pull out a free kick with with a Kernel more, but if that was grand final day, Jared, I don't want to see that as free kicks because one of them, the one where Moore got done for holding his arm, he got blocked by Martin. So he's I been heard you call that yeah, sixty yeah. meters off the ball, mm. yeah. and the only thing is his arm got tangled in with. So you sort of sit back. But and he go, did claw on deliberately in that one because he yeah. he felt he lost position. Mm. He clawed on to try and have an effect on the, on the run yeah. up there. And, of, and, and that's that, that's what I'm saying. If you looked at all those contests, you could clearly you, – you could pull out – letter of the law, you could pull out a free kick. But I'm sitting there going, if we're pushing into September, he's getting blocked off the ball that far. He's getting tangled with his forward. I'd want to see a forward earn a goal more than, than a soft little free kick like that. And I can understand why I'm paid. I'm not having to go up the umpires. I can clearly understand that. But moving forward towards the end of the year. Moving forward in finals, I, I don't want to see that to be paid, considering there's so much going on and around which <laughs> caused him to get tangled up with his arms. It'd be a bit for Darcy Moore to think about, I reckon, in the aftermath to yes. look at them. Because if it is preliminary final night or grand final day is you don't want to be the defender who's giving away three consecutive free kicks and deciding the game. So I think not only the whistleblowing side of it, but the technique side of it, who engaged with who, are you really putting yourself in that position? I thought it was fascinating that in that sort of 10th test of strength, the two Titans coming together, every one of those contests was worthy of a free kick. So I think the players have to have a think about that, not just look towards the umpires. The, the one where they were shoulder v shoulder and Kerner got the free kick in the goal square, I thought Kerner was doing just as much the, the holding. And he, at times, forwards, really good forward, forwards, Dermot, you would know that, that really good forwards initiate the contact to try and get the defender when they don't expect it, which just normally gets caused as a, as a hold. But Kerner was initiating a lot of that contact. So I thought yeah. I'd look back at it. And yeah, I can understand where the free kick was paid, but I thought Kerner was doing just as much as what Moore was. So that's the tricky one for umpires these days. We want to go deep into this game because we have to get to back to pointing that the scoreboard is descent. So we'll revisit that <laughs> oh, as we go. Oh, Jacob Wiedering is about to join us. How have the Blues done this? It's on Crunch Time next.